Hey guys, Eric Lindine here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. We are in this series called Vision. We're talking about our five big purposes as a church. And so if we would like to stand today, we're going to go through um, reading of God's word. Today we're going to be in Luke chapter 5, verse 12. While he was in one of the cities, that's Jesus, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Uh, Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus, our living hope, uh, that we serve a Savior who died on the cross for our sins, but then he rose again. So thank you for being our living hope. I pray right now that everyone in this room, they would just leave and be filled with your hope, your peace, your love, and your joy. Thank you for the opportunity to gather together. Be with the ladies who are up on the the women's retreat up at Trout Lake Camp. Let them have just a refreshing time. Uh, Thank you, God, for this beautiful sunshine, and let the Vikings win today. Let me pray. Amen. Go ahead and take a seat. All but the Packers fans said amen. Uh, growing up, uh, one of my favorite movies was Star Wars. Any other Star Wars fans out there? Just a few. Yeah, yeah. And my favorite book series was The Lord of the Rings. Any other Lord of the Rings fans? Yeah. They didn't make the movies until I was in college, and I loved the movies, but I love Star Wars and I love Lord of the Rings. And for the longest time, I didn't really realize, do these things have any co- anything in common? And then I kind of thought more about it, and I was like, yeah, orphan boy raised by aunt and uncle meets an old wizard who teaches him that he has special abilities and he's got to learn to handle, you know, special artifacts and uh, a group of people to overthrow the Dark One. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is why. There's a common thread through here why I like Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. See, I think every kid, though, loves stories about saving the world. There's something in our heart that kind of quickens when you hear these stories that, hey, you are special, you have a destiny, you have a purpose, you were created for more, and you can do something in this world. Why do we love these stories? Because these stories echo the eternal story that God is telling in our lives today. Why do we love movies like the musical The Greatest Showman? I think because the truth is all of us at different times have felt like a misfit and we're longing for community and purpose and for someone to see us, not just our faults, but who we really are. Why do we love Frozen? Because when we see Anna give her life to save her sister who she loves, it's an echo of our big brother, Christ, who gave his life for us? Why do we guys like movies like Braveheart and Gladiator? Because they're an echo of the bravery and courage that Christ showed by going to the cross on our behalf, by standing toe-to-toe with pure evil, and though he could have ran away, he didn't, but instead, he defeated evil once and for all. See, it always blows my mind when I think of Jesus in heaven, existing in eternity with the Father and the Spirit, and the Father coming to the Son and saying, Son, here's the plan. We need to rescue and redeem humanity. You're going to clothe yourself in flesh. You're going to go down to earth. 
You're gonna stub your toe, you're gonna be hungry, you're gonna thirst, you're gonna have friends betray you, you're gonna experience every part of humanity, and then you're gonna go to the cross. And son, I'm gonna have to turn my face away from you as, as you take on all the sin and shame and guilt of the world to carry that, and you're gonna die, but then you're gonna rise again. And, and here's how Hebrew tells us what was Jesus' response back to that. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before him. You see, the result of mission is always joy. That although it may be hard, when we know our mission, when we know our purpose, when we're serving others, when we're living for something greater than ourselves, the result is joy. There's a Joy in mission because there's a link between joy and sentness. We're fulfilling our purpose. Some of you might be wondering why life feels a little joyless, like you're just kind of lacking in, in, in taste in your life. That's because perhaps you aren't living on mission. You're not living for something greater than yourself. You were made for greater things. We were not made to just be content with momentary and fleeting pleasures, you know, a better job, a bigger house, just well-behaved kids. That's not... Why we were created. Do you remember the TV show, uh, uh, you know, uh, Sweet Life with Zach and Cody or The Love Boat? Uh, you know, these boats about, these shows and movies about, you know, cruise ships. We talk a lot at Mosaic a lot that some people think of the church, I think, like a cruise ship. That we've been saved out of evil and now we're on this thing together and the pastor and staff are like the cruise directors and, and, and now we're just, we're hanging out, you know, apart from the evil world. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that's not why Jesus came and died on the cross so we could just be on a nice cruise ship. We talk, that, that's not our purpose. The church isn't a cruise ship, the church is a battleship. The church isn't a cruise ship, the church is a battleship. What does that mean, Eric? Our, our, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It doesn't mean that we go wage war politically. We don't seek power in this world. But we do have a real enemy, and he wants to kill, steal, and destroy from us. Satan. He, he, he takes the captives, and he holds people back and in bondage. And see, we're not just here just to kind of a holy huddle, but we've been commissioned on mission for more. This is one of our, our driving themes from the very, very beginning, I had a friend who was asking church planners to kind of share their, their you know, uh, vision uh, videos they may have created before their church has started. And we did kind of two uh, early videos for Mosaic talking about who we are. And this was one of the earliest ideas. Uh, Ryan, who's standing up right there, he actually helped me uh, share this idea with me. He's ducking out of the room. And as he shared that idea with me seven years ago before he went to the bathroom, uh, he, I, I love that. And I was like, that's so true. We are not designed to just for pleasure now, for community, but it's community on purpose with a mission, amen? And so, like a battleship, everyone has a role and a responsibility, and you know you're there to do something. So, like, if you think of the church as a battleship, everyone's going to have different roles to play. Like, you may be the prayer support that is, you know, like the, the gunners uh, giving prayers for people, you know, who are going off and doing different ministries. Perhaps you are, you know, leading a helicopter squadron that's leaving from that battleship, that aircraft carrier, going to rescue captives. And you're, you're leading ministry teams into, you know, Mobile Hope, uh, you know, uh, Maple Hills Estates, you know, uh, trailer park. Or maybe you're leading a squad, you know, as you're on Sunday nights ministering to teenagers, as you're, as you're doing different things. 
Maybe you're a mechanic on that ship. You know, maybe you're good at reading maps. Whatever that might be, we all have a different role to play as we work together to rescue the captives, uh, those who have been, been held in bondage by the enemy. We, as a church, are supposed to be living on mission. We were made to be on mission. We're not made to live just for these momentary pleasures. And so you can experience more to life, more joy, more passion and purpose. And that happens when we begin to live on mission. When, when we decided to move from Rice Lake Elementary School to Osseo High School, we, we had a phrase we said a lot that we are here for good. And it was kind of a play on words. We were hoping perhaps to be one of our last temporary stops before our permanent home. And let me tell you, we're, we're, ha- we're fasting and praying for God to give us a permanent home, right? Right, we're doing that, all of us, amen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we said, hey, we're here for good. But what the real meaning behind that was is that we're here to do good. We're, we're here for the good of our community. We're here to love and bless others. That's why we exist as a church. That's one of our big phrases. I wanna go back to some of those purpose statements we've been going through in this series Number one, Ryan kicked this off on Liberty Weekend. Jesus changes everything. You can see Ryan up here, or Ryan, Aaron playing bass up here. Uh, he's got that shirt. Our very first Easter, we handed out shirts to everyone in our church with, with that phrase on it, that Jesus changes everything. That's the foundational truth. And, and you might say that our purpose of evangelism starts there. We want to share that good news with others. We don't just want to keep it to ourselves. We believe truly that following Jesus is the best way to live because we've experienced love and grace and acceptance that comes from Jesus and that he can change everything in our lives. That's where it all starts. Then we said, hey, everyone has a next step. We get saved, but then we don't, just, we don't stop there. Grace isn't opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. We don't earn our salvation, but following Jesus is something we do. It's gonna take some work on our part to follow Jesus. And we talk about that, we always have a next step. There's a next level Guys like Michael Jordan and Steph Curry are never satisfied with the status quo of just where they are. They want to push themselves to get better. And so just like that, each and every one of us, there's greater depths we can go to in following Jesus. And then who can we bring along with us as a good teammate along, along and say, hey, what's your next step? And then last week we talked about this, that everybody needs somebody. Nobody stands alone. We are created in the image of a community God, Father, Son, Spirit, that has always existed in community. And so everybody needs somebody. You're gonna find that person maybe in a community group, maybe in a Bible study, maybe it's just someone else. You have an accountability partner that you meet with on a regular basis. Someone you take a walk with, maybe you do a workout with, you grab coffee on a regular basis. We can't follow Jesus alone. So much of the Christian faith has to be done in community. We look back, you know, when God created the world in Genesis 1, what's the one thing he says is not good? That man is alone. Even in the midst of the garden, in the perfection of a perfect quiet time, Adam had everything and still it wasn't good. He still needed community with others. And so God created Eve and then a family. So we need somebody. And so today our purpose is that we are here for good. We're here to do good. We're here, we exist for mission, something beyond just ourselves. The point is Jesus had a mission while he was here on earth, and now he's given us that mission too. As we are created in the image of God, as we are his apprentices, we're going to follow his mission, and we're going to ask, Jesus, what is the mission you have for me? What is the mission you have for our church as we follow you? And we can experience more joy than when we realize that we are on mission. And see, our whole world is filled with people who are in need of a loving touch from Jesus. People who feel like outsiders, who have lost their passion and feel like they're living without purpose. 
I've shared this a couple weeks ago. Uh, our pastor's group got to meet with uh, Police Chief Eric, and he just shared, you know, there, there is an opioid uh, epidemic of people overdosing, uh, of suicides. There are people who feel alone. They're trying to numb the pain. Your neighbors in, in your suburbs around here, there are people looking for hope, and they're, and they're looking at everything, and, and we can point them to Jesus. So we're here to do good. But today I want to look at a story of Jesus meeting an outsider. And this man had an awful condition known as leprosy. But before we get into kind of what is leprosy, let's talk about that a little bit. In Jesus' day, there was quite a few people who had leprosy. And most everyone knew someone in that condition. Leprosy was this horribly debilitating skin condition. It caused great discomfort and gain. You didn't want to bathe because of how much it hurt. You had open sores and wounds that were so painful. And over time, this would cause nerve damage in your body. So what would happen is that you wouldn't feel. And so you could be cooking and you could burn yourself. You wouldn't know it. You could be working with your hands as a, as a craftsman or whatever. You could, you know, cut yourself. You wouldn't realize that you had hurt yourself. But as awful as this condition was, people could live with it for many years. Uh, there are some ancient records of people living with leprosy for up to 20 years. And they start to lose, eventually, fingers and toes and limbs because you're numb and desensitized. So imagine living with this condition for years, for 10 years, 15 years, perhaps 20 years. And if it wasn't bad enough, just this awful skin condition, some people thought wrongly that all lepers were cursed by God for sin in their life or perhaps sin in their parents' lives. So oftentimes when they needed compassion, these people didn't receive it. So some religious people would proclaim that lepers had been cursed by God and beyond any mercy or kindness or hope. Can you imagine that? You have this physical ailment. You're, you're all alone. And in spite of that, people think that maybe you've sinned and God has cursed you. And so you have this, this, this weight that you're carrying. Imagine this is you. Imagine your kids are healthy. And then one day you see this rash on your kid's body. And you realize it's leprosy. And you have to send them outside of the city. And they have to live there alone or perhaps in a community with other lepers. And they weren't allowed to come into community. They, they couldn't enjoy the things that we'd take for granted. You know, no trips to Target or, or Home Depot. No worshiping with God's people like this. No having a meal with friends at Chipotle. No traveling freely, going to your midweek Mosaic community group. They couldn't have a job because they couldn't be around other people. That's the condition that this man was in. And they depended on the family and friends for everything. They'd pick some neutral place and then their family and friends would drop off some food for them. And then later... Uh, perhaps their child or whoever would come in and then get that food so they could survive another day. And they were completely on their own and perhaps in a community with other lepers who were filled with the stench of not bathing, a suffering people filled with this horrible condition. So that's that, that in your mind of this man who'd been living in this condition for years and years, perhaps decades. The Bible speaks of leprosy in Leviticus chapter 13 says, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Imagine that total isolation. One Bible commentary uh, called this the living death. This is even worse than having COVID and coughing. It consumes your identity. If you were near anyone else, you'd have to call out your identity, which was unclean, unclean. And the women and children would scream and everyone would run away. One commentator I read said that sometimes religious people would even carry rocks in their pockets. 
And if they saw someone with leprosy, they would throw those rocks at him to keep them away because they were so worried that that condition would infect them. Emotionally, I want you to feel devastated for these people. This is horrendous. Their life is destroyed. They're without any hope. There's no cure for them. Now, it's amazing what Jesus does. It says, while he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. Well, first of all, he wasn't supposed to be in the city. But as he approached him, he would have been yelling out, unclean, unclean. I just imagine Jesus standing his ground as perhaps all his disciples ran away behind him because they're so terrified of catching this skin condition. Our author, Dr. Luke, he was a physician. So we can trust when he says he was full of leprosy. This is a very advanced condition. It's been years. Perhaps he's missing a few fingers or toes. Uh, maybe he's lost an ear, we don't know. His long, scraggly hair of what he's got left. He probably looks like one of the walkers from The Walking Dead. That's what this guy is like. But he's desperate to get to Jesus. If you're taking notes, you can write this down, that desperate people are drawn to Jesus. That desperate people are drawn to Jesus. I think that's a marker for any church. Do we have desperate people that are drawn to Jesus? Are desperate people drawn to you? Is Christ shining through you to the point where people can see hope in you? Because desperate people are drawn to Jesus. And so this guy, he's got scraggly hair, maybe missing some fingers and toes. He's yelling out unclean. Perhaps some religious people are throwing rocks at him as he comes into the city. He hasn't bathed in years. He stinks, but he's desperately trying to get to Jesus because he thinks perhaps Perhaps Jesus can heal him from a distance with a word. Perhaps Jesus will say something kind to him for the first time in years. And it says this. When he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and he begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. It's not a question. He knows, Jesus, I believe in you. And in this statement, he's saying a lot here. He's believing Jesus is the Messiah, the one who's going to come with healing in his wings. He believes this is the one that we've been waiting for. I'm going to put my hope and trust in you. He says, if you will, I know that you can make me clean. He believes Jesus has the power to heal him. So what does Jesus do in response? Does Jesus say, be healed? Does he give him a kind word? Does he speak some words of encouragement? And you just picture Jesus standing there in the middle of a city with the religious people scattered around wondering what he's going to do. His disciples standing behind Jesus scared because they don't want to get this sickness. And the man is trembling on his face, covered in the dust and the dirt. Open sores, perhaps tears streaming down his eyes. Just hoping for a word of hope. Just hoping for a word of healing. What does Jesus do? See, we are hopeless apart from Jesus. That's where this man is. Apart from Jesus, he's hopeless. He's face down in the dirt. He's begging, Jesus, please, please heal me. What does Jesus do? And Jesus stretched out his hand and he touched him. And I just imagine everyone just gasping. What? Jesus gets down in the dirt with this man. He puts his hand on his head and he touches him. Can you imagine for years and years, perhaps decades, you've never felt touch, a hug, a hand on you? 
You've been alone, you've been isolated, you've been defined by your condition of unclean. And as his face in the dirt, he feels the hand of Jesus. Man, how amazing to be full of leprosy. His condition was very advanced. He'd been in the state for a long time. He's used to people running away from him, not walking towards him. The greatest fear had, people had was of touching him and getting this terrible disease. And what does Jesus do? He touches him. See, Jesus doesn't come to earth simply to look and say to this man, be clean. He could have said that. He could have said, hey, be clean, be healed. But he touches him in the middle of this crowd in front of everyone. Jesus stops his teaching for a moment, devotes all of his attention to this desperate man. And he's just hoping for a word, but what he does is he touches him. And friends, this is one reason why we love Jesus. Because he enters into this man's isolation and shame. He doesn't just stand distant from it, but he comes into this man's isolation and shame and he touches him and he heals him. He's being affectionate to this man and he's blessing him and he's encouraging him and he's probably dignifying him. And it's so amazing. See, the religious people had a rule. You couldn't touch someone with leprosy. If you did, you'd be ceremoniously unclean. It wasn't a rule in the Bible, but it was a rule that they had made up. And Jesus says, no, I'm going to identify myself with this man. See, touch is such an amazing gift. Child psychologists tell us that we cannot grow healthy without appropriate touch. That even, in fact, orphans in an orphanage, they did a study. They left them alone, and no one picked them up, and no one held them. And before their first birthday, all those babies died. Because we need touch as, as humans. We have to have touch. So much love is conveyed by touch. And this man has been alone for years. He hasn't been touched. He's been isolated. And it should, this action should have made Jesus unclean. But instead of Jesus being infected by this man's sin or his, his uh, sickness, Jesus infects this man with his holiness and his healing. And instantly, I don't know if all of a sudden his, his fingers started growing back and his, and, his, and his ear came back and all these things, but as Jesus entered this man's isolation and shame, immediately the leprosy left him. Be clean. And immediately, so I don't know, if, I think he was fully restored in that moment and I think everyone was shocked in that moment of, of wow, Jesus is willing to go into this man and, and touch him, the untouchables. That was the mission of Jesus, was to see the people that no one else sees, to touch the hurting and the broken and to give them hope, to give them healing. And I, I just imagine, uh, we, we went down to this, saw the Jesus show in, in Branson, Missouri, and they, and they had this scene of Jesus healing this man. And I, I love the scene so much, because as, as the man, he gets up and he's, he's excited and he's healed. So then Jesus walks back and he puts his hand on Peter. And Peter's like, ah! And he's, you know, brushing it off and touches John. And the disciples are freaking out because they think they're going to catch it too. But they don't realize Jesus is different. And he doesn't get infected by the disease and the, and the sickness. But he infects others with his hope and his healing. And he's teaching his disciples. He's teaching his, the people around him. This is what we're called to do. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for proof to them. Now, a couple of years ago, I preached on this and I dove into this and it's very in depth. If you want to talk more, we talked, actually, I, I talked about this a little bit at our baby dedication, but it's this whole crazy Leviticus story that, that uh, if you were healed 
of leprosy, which almost never happened. You go to the priest because he wants to confirm that you're actually healed, that you have actually newborn skin. It's like, oh, wow, you actually have been healed. Now you can do this whole process where you sacrifice a dove, and then he takes the blood, and he puts it on your ear and on your thumb and on your big toe, and it's like, what is going on here? This is so weird. But then the priest would say, now you've been healed. You belong to God. Listen to him. Now you belong to God. Serve him. Now you belong to God. Walk with him. This is a beautiful ritual. And then he, they'd have a big party, and, 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 and all his friends and family he hasn't seen in years and years and years would come together. And now he's back in the community. See, Jesus doesn't want to just give healing, but he wants to restore people to community, to purpose. And now this man has a new purpose. It's to serve God with his hands that are newly restored, to serve God with his feet, with his mind, with his ears, with his whole body. In the same way, Jesus comes and enters into our isolation and shame. And those of who are followers of Jesus, maybe we were a little child, maybe a teenager, maybe a college student, maybe as an adult, at some point, we were desperately drawn to Jesus. We fell on our face before him and said, hey, I am a sinner, I am unclean, but Jesus, if you will, you can make me clean. And in that moment, Jesus reaches out and he touches us and he adopts us into his family. But it isn't just an isolated instance. Now he sends us back into community with a new mission. When you become a follower of Jesus, you're now baptized into his family, into a mission. And, and now, here is the key takeaway. We, as the church, get to be the body of Christ. And we get to reach out and touch hurting, broken, desperate, needy people with the love of Jesus. See, this is the thing. Jesus ascended into heaven. He gave the Holy Spirit to his church that now we are the physical body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Oftentimes, I think we use this phrase, we're the body of Christ, as just like a reminder that, you know, the Spirit dwells here and, and it's fellowship, and that's good. But I think sometimes, perhaps we lose touch of what did Jesus do, his physical body here on earth? Did he just give some teachings? No, he entered into people like this man of leprosy, into their isolation, into shame, offering a word of healing, of seeing the woman that everyone else, no one else would see, of giving dignity and worth to children in a culture where, where children were uh, second-class citizens. He said, no, let the kids come to me. And now we collectively, y'all, we are the body of Christ. And I intentionally... I was like, I take out this word touch, hurting, broken, needy people, because people get a little weirded out by that, like we're touching each other, and I don't know. It's like, no, no, no. I need that word in there, because we're not just the body of Christ, and we get to reach broken, needy people, like from a distance. See, Jesus could have stayed at a distance and just said, hey, be well. Let's broadcast the message of Jesus through the wonders of the internet and cameras, and let's just huddle up and just, and just shout good news. We could do that, but is that what Jesus did? No, what did the body of Christ do? He came here, he's incarnated here, and he touched hurting, broken, desperate, needy people. He got involved in their mess. And sometimes it's gonna be a little messy as we do life together, as we, as we invest in the lives of teenagers and kids back there that are squirrely and, and whatever, as we invite people into our community who are a little bit different than us, perhaps someone who voted differently than you, perhaps who cheers for a different football team than you, Someone who grew up differently from you. Maybe was born in a different state or a different country than you. But as the body of Christ, we incarnate him. 
In the same way that he touched this man with leprosy, we are invited now to touch those, not from a distance, but to get involved, to be the hands and feet of Christ. Amen? We as the, that's what we get to be. If you want to be more like Jesus, focus more on serving others than on being served. Here's how I wrote it. Let's see if you can track with me in this. Served people turn into saved people when saved people are willing to serve people. You catch that? Served people, the people that are in need of being blessed, turn into saved people when saved people are willing to serve people. That's what we're called to do. We're called to serve others as saved people so that served people become saved people and they start serving people who then become saved people. Amen? We're called to reach out and make a a difference. So here's how we're going to live that out as a church. There's a couple things we do collectively as a group. Number one, uh, next month, in October, we're going to do a canned food drive for Cross. We do that every October. Cross is an amazing food shelf doing good work up in Rogers. And around this season a lot, they need extra donations because people uh, around the time of Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, they need uh, diapers and, and food. And they will even collect uh, presents for um, uh, families who can't afford to give their kids the Christmas they want. And so we're going to collect stuff in the month of October and the, for the Cross. And here's the neat thing. I've tried this many times. We have a cool community of churches in this area of, of uh, Osteo Maple Grove, Dayton. And about 12 of us, 13 of us pastors, we get together on a monthly basis. And so all of us churches will be doing canned food drives for, for uh, Cross in the month of October. We always do it a little differently. Some have, you know, the Cross food truck show up one Sunday. Some of us do it throughout the whole month. But the key is, in this area, we're all going to be collecting canned foods for, for Cross in October. In November, one of the things all of us churches are doing Again, we did this last year, we're doing this again this year. We're going to adopt each church a different school in our school district. So last year, we've adopted Osseo High School. It makes sense. We meet here, right? And so last year, uh, it was amazing. Uh, we had someone in our church uh, donate bags of coffee and the mosaic blend of coffee we had for all the teachers. And we did a $5 gift card for all the teachers to Annabelle uh, Coffee Shop in downtown Osseo, which is owned by a current teacher and a former teacher. And we thought, hey, what a great way to bless the current teachers plus the people who own that business and a local Osseo business. And then we had a Sunday where all our kids um, made handwritten cards to all the teachers and staff and cafeteria workers here at the school. So we're going to do that again in November. And the neat thing is, as we do that, we know, too, other churches are picking different schools in our school district, and they're going to be blessing the staff and, and, and the teachers in, in, in our district, which is awesome. And then in December, something we've done for a couple of years now is we'll take a special offering for global partners and church planners uh, and, and say, hey, we want to give you an extra blessing financially. Here, here's what we're asking also. All our community groups... Uh, we ask, hey, sometime in the semester, and we kind of really run two semesters, uh, kind of end of September through mid-December, it's fall semester. Spring semester will be kind of end of January through around Easter-ish, and then we take a break for the summer. But we ask all our community groups, can you find a time to play together and serve together once during that semester? So plan something fun, a game night, bowling, you know, uh, axe throwing, whatever you, whatever you want to be, just something, you're building community by doing something fun together. And the second thing, of uh, serving together. And so uh, if you have your note sheet on the back is some discussion questions, and in your community groups, you're going to be discussing this. Uh, each community group, I want you to assign someone who's not your community group leader to plan and lead an outreach serving project sometime this fall. Now you guys get to pick what is that going to be. 
Maybe it's serving in a soup kitchen. Uh, we've had groups go door-to-door collecting toothpaste for Cross. Uh, we've had groups say, hey, we want to provide a meal uh, in Maple Hills Estates Trailer Park at Mobile Hope, and we're going to provide you know, tacos for the community. Uh, there's lots of different things you can do. Uh, even our online group, there's things you can do online together. Uh, you know, maybe you're going to raise money. Maybe you're going to collect this. Maybe you're going to write cards separately you know, for um, the police officers, the firefighters in our city. The important thing is say, hey, we're here for good. We're the hands and feet of Christ. And now, uh, so we want some serving things that as a church we're all doing together, collecting canned foods for Cross, blessing the teachers here, you know, financially giving a blessing to our missionaries who are serving overseas, church planners that we've, we support here. But then also individually as, as little community groups, hey, what is God saying to you with your unique gifts and abilities? What can you do to be a blessing to others? And then, so we get kind of big church, community groups, and then I think individually. What I want you to walk away with is you are the body of Christ. What can you do? We say it this way a lot. You know, if Jesus was your gender, walking in your shoes, you know, living in your house, and with your job and your neighborhood, what would Jesus do to bring hope and healing? with your unique talents and abilities and your schedule and all that things. So I want you to think through that, pray through that. And I was just thinking about that a little bit uh, uh, this week. And I thought about, so Josh Olson, who's up here, he was drumming, he was DJing, uh, he, was, he was doing announcements. But Josh is a DJ, uh, is how he makes money, and he, he's a phenomenal DJ. And, and Josh's skills as a DJ, he's really good. And so what did he do? Just yesterday, for my daughter's 10th birthday, he came, and he blessed my daughter and 12, 13 of her friends by just hosting a dance party. Now, you may be like, Eric, what does that have to do with anything? He's being Christ by using his unique talents and skills to bring joy to kids, right? I think of Jesse coaching baseball and football and investing in young men in our community. That's a way of being Jesus into our community by bringing hope, by, by saying, hey, I'm gonna invest in these kids. I'm gonna take time out. I think of Matt and Lauren Anderson, Matt, our worship leader, fostering two little girls, of being Jesus with skin on to those girls. I think of Amber and Troy. Uh, Amber's our children's pastor. And, and roughly about two, two, two and a half, three years ago, they built a pool in their backyard primarily to bless their neighbors. And so this summer, Amber has neighborhood kids over every day of the week, and she's buying snacks. And, and the beautiful thing is many of her neighbors have come and visited here. Some are now uh, becoming a part of Mosaic because they're being Jesus by offering a pool to neighbors. Amen? I think of Brent, who has, is running sound back there, and he's awesome at smoking meats. And he smoked up a 20-pound brisket for our community group, which is delicious and amazing. And, and that fed people and it blessed them by using his unique skills and came over to my house and helped me learn how to trim the fat a little better off it and do some things to cook a better brisket. And then I used that skills and all our community group leaders came over and I cooked a pretty perfect brisket, if I will say so myself. But, but again, I want you to get out of, this isn't just Bible studies, it's not just prayer time. All that's really, really good. But what are the unique ways God has designed you as a DJ, as someone who can smoke meats, as someone who's able to build a pool in your backyard, what are the unique ways that God has equipped you, the, the things in your life, your different experiences, your different passions, what makes your heart beat faster, that you can intentionally say, I'm the body of Christ. 
I'm going to bring hope. I'm going to bring healing. I'm going to bring joy to others. So big church, we got some things we're doing, community groups, things we're doing, and then individually. See, for those of us who've been touched by Jesus, we want to, in, we want to partner with Jesus. Imagine how differently our cities could look, our neighborhoods, if we had this mindset that we are the body of Christ. We're here for good. We're not here to argue online. We're not here to, you know, to be angry at our neighbors. We're here to be good. We're here to cook and, you know, good meals and invite people into our home. We're here to pray for our neighbors. We're here to bless our teachers. We're here to, to, to throw parties where people can have joy and hope. That's why we're here. That's, that's, that's how we're designed to be like Jesus and to follow him. So that's one of our core values. So this week, your takeaway is, how is uniquely God wired up and designed you to make a difference? How can you be the hands and feet of Christ to bring in hope and healing this week uniquely in your job, in your neighborhood, with your nieces and nephews, with your kids, with your grandkids, whatever it might be? How's your community group gonna say, hey, we're here for good, let's, let's do some good together? And then as a church, how are we doing that? I'm gonna pray, and then I'm gonna invite the band to come on up. Uh, God, thank you that you didn't just stay distant, that you didn't just send the Bible down, but you sent Jesus to enter into our mess and into a hopeless, hurting world. And he experienced all that we experienced, but then he touched the broken and the hurting and the diseased and the, and the outcast. And he didn't just bring healing, but he invited them back into community and, and with a purpose. And so, God, I pray that each and every one of us, uh, this week, as we, just, as we seek your spirit, you would reveal to us in the unique ways, what are the unique talents and gifts you've given us that, that we can use from, from hosting bonfires to uh, financially uh, blessing missionaries to what, what is that thing that you, you've uniquely gifted us as individuals to be your hands and feet? And God, this week as our community groups, as our Bible studies kick off, I pray God that as a group we would, we would ask that same question. How can we continue to to bring joy by inviting new friends in to play volleyball together, to, to have bonfires, to, to serve at a soup kitchen? Uh, how, how are we uniquely as a group uh, coming together to show that we're here for good, uh, that we, we seek the, the peace of the city around us and our neighborhoods? And, and God, then as a church, I pray that we could continue to, to do more good. God, that, that all who come in would just feel welcome. They, they would sense that, that Jesus loves them and knows them, and God, that as a community, we would we'd be your hands and feet. We'd, we'd be the body of Christ. And then and just before we wrap things up today, I, I just wanna uh, as well just give everyone the opportunity. Uh, perhaps you, you feel a little bit like this man who, with leprosy, and, and you feel that, like, like how he would have to shout, unclean, unclean, that, that was his identity. Perhaps you identify with that. Perhaps even as a follower of Jesus, you feel more like your identity is your sin and, and the sexual sin and, and the lying and the addictions you have in your life rather than as someone who's newly healed a son or daughter in Christ. And I just wanna give you the chance to just to know that Jesus loves you, that Jesus sees you, 
And even right now, Jesus is reaching down to you and he's touching you. And he's not afraid of the mess. He's not afraid of your sin or your addiction or your shame. And all you need to do is just receive that healing, to receive that hope, receive that forgiveness. And Jesus will take it all away. Would you just pray with me? If you'd like to just receive that, just say, Jesus, I receive your healing. Jesus, I receive your identity. And Jesus, I receive your love. Thank you, Jesus. And God, I just want to pray now for, for those who prayed that prayer. Maybe they've been struggling and they, just, they, feel, they feel dirty, they feel shame-filled, they feel not good enough. God, that they would know that they are enough in you. And that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead inhabits them. And they would know they're loved. That when you look at them, you don't see their shame and guilt and sin, but you simply see your son, Jesus, and his righteousness covering them. So God, I pray that this week, all of us, we just walk in that identity of newness of life, of, of wholeness, of healing. And, and, then, and then we'd bring that with us. We would know we're here for good, that we would, we would seek for ways to bring healing and hope to a world that so desperately needs it. Thank you, God. In your name we pray. We say amen. Would you stand with me? I truly hope that you know that you are so, so loved. Uh, that we're so glad that you're part of our community here. And uh, we just wanna help you take your next step, whatever that might be. So fill out a connection card, jump in a group. We just wanna help you get community. Um, we're gonna go out of here singing one last song. And I just hope you know that Jesus, he was faithful in the past. He's faithful today. And he's gonna continue to be faithful, amen. And you know that God doesn't just love you. He so loves you. He gives one only son for you. And now we as the body of Christ get to go out of here and make a difference. Uh, let's go out of here singing. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. You can be a part of the Mosaic tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.